Hello and welcome to Accent of Women, a show by and about women from diverse cultures and languages in Australia and around the world. I'm Lourdes García Larque. On today's show, we will present two speakers talking about the ongoing situation of violence in the Middle East, fueled by Western powers, a situation that has forced thousands of people into exile and thousands of people into resisting the occupation of their countries. In the first part of the show, we will listen to a Syrian activist, Hanan Marouf, a member of Syrians for Freedom. We will hear a speech she presented in the recent Stop Reclaim Australia rally in Melton, Victoria, a rally organized to oppose the rise of the far-right group Reclaim Australia. In the second half of the show, we will hear from Palestinian socialist Rim. She is a member of the Coalition Against Israeli Apartheid, Kaya, and she will talk about the most recent intifada since the 1st of October and an event to take place in Melbourne in November 27. So, first up, we will hear from Hanan Marouf. She's a Syrian activist, member of Syrians for Freedom, who recently organized a demonstration in Melbourne to oppose the Assad regime, the Russian intervention, and the intervention of other Western powers. The following speech was presented at the recent rally in Melton, Melbourne. I apologize in advance for the poor quality of the sound that was recorded during the protest. What's happening in Syria is beyond all words and expressions. As a Syrian by birth, it breaks my heart to see that for the last five years, my homeland is being destroyed and my fellow Syrians are being killed and forced to flee the country due to the brutality of the barbaric Assad regime. It's hard to comprehend. It is hard to comprehend that in the 21st century, the international community has been standing back and watching the tragedy in Syria and has failed to even try to help the Syrian people. Rather, they have been contributing to the devastation in one way or another either by participating in the war or by attempting to make accommodation to the tyrant Bashar al-Assad after all the destruction, the genocide, the crimes against humanity he has and still is committing. The reason that governments of Western powers, driven by their own interests and greed, can neglect the suffering of the whole nation is that they don't want to see Syria achieving democracy. But the, uh, what hurts more than seeing those governments is to see the bigotry from the normal people taking on vulnerable and helpless victims on basis of their religion and background. The Syrian people did not choose this position. They did not want the situation to turn out like this. And they definitely didn't want to leave their country. However, when faced with daily bombing with all kinds of weapons, there is hardly a choice. The regime's allies, including but not limited to Russia, Iran, and Hezbollah, hurried from day one of this uprise to the rescue of the, the loyal re 
regime that has maintained their interests in the country for 45 years. Similarly, America and the Western coalition have their own interests in Syria too, and they are contributing to the destruction and the killing of civilians. And all of them are committing their ruthlessness in the name of fighting terrorism, when they are actually trying to extinguish the Syrian revolution. Because democracy is the last thing they want to see prevails in the Middle East. Today, it's no secret anymore that ISIS is also helping Assad's forces fighting Syrian people that are opposing the regime. After two years into the revolution, ISIS was allowed into Syria by Assad when he realized his failure in crushing the uprising. In doing that, he could justify the rigorous bombardment and could convey to the world that is terrorism he was battling. America and the coalition know damn well this fact, and yet they continue to turn a blind eye to the regime, and they continue to pretend that they want to get rid of ISIS. From this perspective, we can see that the Paris tragic and sickening event is more than just a terrorist attack against a Western country. If we all stopped and thought for a moment about what's benefiting the most from this attack. It is certainly not Islam, nor it is the Syrians, but in fact it is Assad and Putin and the coalition because they all, all of them want to drag France and other European nations further into the war. Out of 1800 air raids that Russia has launched since the, began, the beginning of its bombardment campaign in late September, the first significant effort to target ISIS was only made two days before the Paris attack. In attempt to falsely convince the world that it is ISIS whom they are fighting. The UN has confirmed the Russian use of cluster munitions against populated locations in Haba and Idlib, where actually ISIS doesn't exist. Also, Doctors Without Borders has issued a, a statement that Russian airstrikes have targeted at least 12 medical facilities so far. And a lot more of evidence that Russia and the Syrian regime do not have the, the elimination of ISIS on their agendas. Since day one of the uprise, the Syrian regime has labeled the people who took to the streets in peaceful protests as extremists and has described the revolution as a sectarian civil war and tried to capitalize on the Islamophobia to scare off the minorities in an attempt to introduce itself as the only protection of the minorities. But this strategy has not worked for the regime because Syrian people have always lived together in peace. History is the biggest witness. History is the biggest witness of that. There are a lot of prideful stories that I can share with you of the harmonious coexistence between Muslims and Christians in Syria. 
One of those failures was when an international commission was sent to Syria by the League of Nations in 1920 in order to give the Christians a choice of, on the basis of human rights between French or English mandates. The late Faris al-Khouri, the Prime Minister of Syria back then, took the, to the pulpit of the famous Umayyad Mosque and said, as a Christian member of this parliament, I reject the French or the English protection and I ask the protection of my brothers who are praying with me in this mosque. Also was the answer of late Patriarch Gregory IV to the same matter. He said, I choose the national mandate. And I will quote also what the Greek Orthodox Patriarch of Antioch and the, all the East has said in a recent interview. He said, we, uh, we as the Patriarchate of Antioch are deeply rooted in this land and the Marmaria Church, which is a hundred years old, bears witness to the authentic authenticity and the long history of coexistence between Christians and Muslims and our living together. So it's this very disheartening when you hear people are verifying and stigmatizing Muslims. The French president, Mr. Holland, recently said, Syria now is the biggest terrorist producer. Shame on you, Holland. Syria is a victim of all kinds of terrorism, starting from the Syrian regime to Russia to ISIS to the Western Coalition to Israel and not stopping at the right-wing parties all over the world. Syrians are very patriotic people. They would have never left their country if they had any chance of staying. They are highly educated people and value life and peace and they have in uh, endured oppression beyond imagination from the Assad family for 45 years before they finally took to the streets. They held very peaceful demonstrations. They held very peaceful demonstrations for nine months despite the shootings at them, the massacres, the mass raping, the arbitrary detention, and the torture to death in prisons. But it got to the point where people were left with no choice but to take up arms and fight back the regime out of self-defense. So please, when you hear of a terrorist attack, rest assured that Syrian people had nothing to do with it. Syria, Syrians have had enough of violence and they most certainly aren't extremists. They are ordinary people full of love for life. It is, it is very disturbing to hear the hateful talk creeping up towards Syrians and Muslims in general. I myself come from a small minority in Syria and I am very proud of our Islamic heritage and legacy that the golden Islam era has left with us. A lot of us has he have heard of the olden Muslim scientists like Ibn Sina 
الهازن ابن خلدون الكيندوس جابر رايزز and lots more who are still considered today the fathers of modern sciences. A small piece of information has been circulating lately about the biological father of Steve Jobs that he was Syrian refugees, refugee. And like him, and like him, all refugees deserve to be treated with dignity and respect. All of them deserve to be safe and secure, to be accepted, to, be, to have the freedom to pray and believe so that they can thrive and give the society back their best. I am sure that between those Syrian refugees, there will be so many more scientists and great men and women, regardless of their religion and background. Thank you. If you just tuned in, we just heard from Syrian activist Hanan Marouf, from Syrians from Freedom, talking about the pressing situation experienced by the Syrian people. Next up, on Accent of Women, we will hear from Reem. She's a Palestinian socialist living in Melbourne and is a member of Kaya, the Coalition Against Israeli Apartheid. Being in close contact with Palestine, Reem will discuss with us recent developments in the most recent Intifada and acts of resistance of the Palestinian people to confront the ongoing terror imposed by the occupying forces of Israel and the Western powers. Well, as maybe a lot of your um, audience know, um, Palestine has always been uh, in this trouble because of the unjust situation. Uh, uh, basically, that unjust situation started by the Nakba of 1948, but it continued, or continued genocide uh, since 1967 when the rest of the West Bank was was and Gaza were occupied. And uh, the problem is, since the Oslo Agreement and the um, the Palestinian Authority, no uh, peaceful solution happened. In, actually, in actuality, is that Israel have, has doubled and tripled their uh, settlements and uh, removed, um, uh, you challenged the whole of the international community and all the United Nations um, decisions by building the wall, building more and more settlements, uh, constricting Palestinians into small Pantus towns, and um, making the life miserable for people and, and very, very restricted. Like there is a lot of checkpoints, a lot of roadblocks, a lot of hassles, a lot of home raids, a lot of detention and Palestinian prisoners and uh, interruption to their uh, education, interruption to their uh, daily life is very ob uh, obstructed. So the thing is, Israel has always been pushing the Palestinians into an explosive situation where they cannot actually uh, do anything else but explode in anger. And these explosions mm. happened a number of times. We heard of the first Intifada in 1987. We heard of the second Intifada in the year 2000. And this one is is just 
one of many intifadas that the Palestinians uh, went through, which is, um, people put it back as 1st of October only, but actually uh, the precursor for this current intifada or the confrontations of the Palestinians in every single town and city in the West Bank, in Gaza, and even in 1948, uh, the Palestinians there. All this situation has the precursor for it happened since last year, actually, since um, last year there was the Israeli massacre war that lasted 50 days on Gaza. But prior to that, there was also the one month of incursions to the West Bank, uh, which culminated into a lot of um, settlers running over kids in, in the Bethlehem area, in the Hebron area, and a lot of the detention of people and arresting of people um, all over the place, and ended up with the killing, the brutal uh, uh, burning alive of Mohammed Abu Khdir, which is the boy who was just 15 year old from uh, Shafat, which is a suburb of um, Jerusalem. Um, like since then, Jerusalem in particular never uh, rested. Like things there were brewing uh, with with anger and with a lot of confrontations every day. And things spilled over till this year by having um, just recently, a month before the 1st of October Intifada, there was the, the settlers who came and uh, set alight the house of the Dawabshe family, which is a, a family of a mom and dad and uh, two children, a three-year-old and a one one year and a half old, and they were all burned alive, and and with the exception of the boy Ahmad who survived now, and although he is still uh, recovering from sixty percent burns in his body, um, the rest of his family, mom, dad, and baby, w- died, and that that was a village uh, next to. Nablus, and that really outraged the pe- the people of the West Bank. Um, the incursions in in uh, the, the Jerusalem in the Al Aqsa compound area, where all the Islamic major Islamic um, holy sites are, uh, they were like another uh, straw that was added to break uh, the camel's back. So that's why you've seen the eruption that happened. People are asking why, and they don't know that things happen due to an accumulative effect of the uh, impossible life that they are living and the um, increased attacks from the Israelis and the Zionists on their every single aspect of their lives. The whole world is, is sitting and watching silently while a horrific Israeli response to this intifada, which is 100% peaceful, like the, the number of, of, of knife killings are nothing uh, very negligible in, compared to the real p- 
peaceful uh, confrontations that our youth are carrying out. So if you compare tens of dozens to over 9,000 injured from the, from the Palestinian side, that's, you can tell that's nothing. Uh, no, and they are attacking refugee camps who are, which are heavily dense around the Bethlehem, around Jerusalem, around Ramallah, uh, all these areas, and, and within Hebron proper, uh, with not just with, with tear gas, with uh, live bullets and uh, rubber bullets. And by the way, the, the name rubber bullet is misleading. It's actually steel bullets covered with rubber. Mm. And there is the, uh, the dum-dum bullets, which explode into little pieces in, uh, and cause big damage in the internal organs of the, of the injured. Uh, plus, they, they, they added them the, a lot of home demolitions. Well, you have been saying about this, the, the intifadas and the, all these acts of resistance on behalf of the Palestinian people, how the media values some lives more than others. No? A life of a Palestinian for the media and for the Western countries will not be worth the same as the life of an Israeli person. In the light of recent events like the Paris attacks, we see yeah. a very similar pattern when we are seeing how the the aggression that happens against the people of, of France, how little is being said of the thousands of people in Syria or other countries that are being um, suffering. Is, has there been any repercussions or any further attacks against Palestinian people after these events in Europe? that have been uh, more like taken against people like people from, from Palestine, which, which is the example that you are more close to. It's interesting that you mentioned that, uh, uh, Lulu, because um, actually the attacks in, in, in Paris is, are, are murderous and, and terrible, and no one condones them. But the, um, the Israeli establishment has quickly tried to capitalize on it and tried to equate, imagine, the Palestinians who are now standing up to their occupier, to their oppressors in this intifada and show the Palestinians to the world as if they are equal to the lunatic, ISIS, extremist groups who went and killed 130 civilians in Paris in order to show the world that they are justified in the way they are uh, dealing with the Palestinians, which is like 100% criminal uh, even even kind of, of equation because the, the, uh, the Israelis are committing a form of... Uh, big form of collective punishment of the, on the Palestinians. And in the end, they go and tell the world that they are dealing with us because this is the way that we deserve it because we are similar to the ISIS group that killed people in Paris. I mean, I don't need even to say anything on top of that. But, you know, Israel, this is how... I mean, look, we have even a saying 
in Arabic, and I'm going to translate it to English because I think it's it's funny, but it sums up the how the Israelis deal with us. The saying goes, "Darabni ubaka sabani ushtaka," which means he, which means the Israeli, uh, has hit me, but then he he cried, and he has went ahead of me and complained. Does that make sense? Thanks so much, Rim. So Rim is a Palestinian socialist living in Melbourne and a member of the Coalition Against Israeli Apartheid. And the Coalition Against Israeli Apartheid is putting together a forum this Wednesday. If you are in Melbourne, the forum is called Voices from Palestine, Life and yeah. Resistance in Palestine Today. Can you tell us yeah. about what's going to happen in that event and where can people find more information about it? Well, it's very exciting. I'd like to talk about it. I'd like to invite all the, our audience to it. It's happening uh, on 25th of November, which is this Wednesday, 7 p.m. in Trades Hall. What we have done is we linked up with uh, through Skype interview calls with two important activists over there. One of them is called Jamal Jumha. He has been a uh, an important activist during the first intifada, and now he is um, the uh, coordinator for Stop the Wall campaign, uh, and he's situated in, in Ramallah. Uh, the other one is Saeed. Saeed Amira is another, but he's younger, uh, Palestinian activist, and he is from a village, maybe it became known in the media now, Ni'lin uh, village, they are known for a couple of years at least of putting up weekly Friday protests against uh, the building of the wall across their village. Uh, and their village now in this intifada is being closed off. Our third speaker is a Palestinian uh, who lives here now in Melbourne only since a couple of months, but she came originally from 1948 Palestine, from Acre. Akka in Arabic. Uh, her name is Noura Mansour. So I'm really excited about these three speakers. They are going to tell us from different aspects and different places. So if you want to hear from the horse's mouth, this is the place to go. Come to Trades Hall, 7 p.m. this Wednesday. And that's all we have time for on today's Accent of Women. We heard from Syrian activist Hanan Marouf from Syrians for Freedom and from Palestinian socialist Rim from the Coalition Against Israeli Apartheid. Check out the information section of today's show on the 3CR website for links to their organizations. If you want to hear this show again or any of our other programs, you can download the podcast from the 3CR website, 3cr.org.au. And that's with the digit 3, not spelled out in letters. Go to the Accent of Women page and follow the links to this week's show. Accent of Women is produced in the Melbourne studios of Community Radio 3CR with the financial assistance of the Community Broadcasting Foundation. The show is distributed nationally via the Community Radio Network with special thanks to the Community Broadcasting Association of Australia. If you want to get in touch with the producers of this show, you can write to us at accentofwomen at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter or like our page on Facebook. 
Thanks for tuning into the show today. I'm Lourdes García Larque, and I look forward to your company again in our next program. <laughs>